Open your Bibles to the book of Luke. I want you to find the 13th chapter and the 10th verse. We're so delighted today to have with us uh, uh, the, the rescue mission from downtown and the mission of hope. Let's give them a welcome and let them know how we're glad to have them with us today. They're, they're such a blessing to us. They're such a blessing to us. Every time they come, they add so much to what God is doing in our service. It's amazing. God just leads me in a direction. And then I, I just say, okay, Lord, I'm going that direction. And then it's just, it's just multiplied in the songs we sing. And today I'm going to address two areas that are important to every one of us. And if something's important, the devil will try to confuse people about it. He'll try to get people in error. He'll try to make it say, well, you don't need to go there. But it's in the Word of God. And in this particular story, a true story, Jesus, this is not a parable. It's an encounter Jesus had with a woman in church, in synagogue. And so I'm again reading in verse 10 of Luke 13. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. She was bent over and could in no way raise herself. But when Jesus saw her, he called her. He said to her, woman, you are loosed. For your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. So Jesus heals a woman, bent over for 18 years. All right, read on. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days which men ought to, to work. And therefore come and be healed, and they shouldn't be healed on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose your ox or donkey from the stall and lead them away to water? Well, so ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed. From this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Not only did Jesus heal the woman, it says that she was delivered from being bound by Satan for 18 years. So this morning, I want to address two subjects. I want to address the subject of healing. What does the Bible teach about healing. And then, of course, I want to address the subject of deliverance. What does the Bible say about deliverance? And I promise you, there's much confusion in the area of healing. And there's much confusion in the area of deliverance. But you've got to understand, the ultimate test is, what does the Scripture say? What does the Word of God say about healing and about deliverance. Now about healing. This woman, Jesus said, had a spirit, the, the Bible says had a spirit of infirmity. 
So something was wrong with her physical body. She was bent over. And so not only did she experience deliverance, but she experienced physical healing. Now let me just address some of the areas in the scripture about this matter. We have a, a, about praying for people to be healed, asking God to heal people, asking God to heal us. Exactly what does the Bible say about it? The first thing the Bible teaches is this. Before Adam sinned, before the fall of man, before sin entered the human race, there was no sickness. I assure you, had Adam and Eve not sinned, they would have never died physically. Because there's no reason to. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, spiritually and physically. So, in the Garden of Eden, created by God in a perfect world with perfect bodies, immortal bodies, Adam and Eve were not subject to disease. But the moment they disobeyed God, the moment they rebelled, the moment sin entered into their life, they went from a mortal body to an, uh, an immortal body to a mortal body. In other words, their body became subject to disease and death. So before the fall, there was no sickness in the world. And somebody might say, well then, Brother Fred, there was no sickness in the world until there was sin. That's right. And so they say, ultimately, sin is the cause of all sickness. Well, that's true. No sin, no sickness. But the truth is, man sinned, Adam sinned. It was passed down to each of us. And because we are two sinners, we have mortal bodies subject to disease and death. Now, three things, what I call errors, about the matter of healing. First of all, someone would say, if you have sin in your life, that all, that all sickness is the result of a personal sin in your life. In other words, so you come down with the flu, or you come down with diabetes, or you come down with cancer, or you come down with whatever, whatever. They will say to you, well, now I'm going to tell you something. This is something that's been out there. It's not as prevalent as it was. But they say, well, listen, there must be sin in your life because you wouldn't be sick, quote, unless you had sin in your life. Now, I will say this. Some sin is the result, some sickness is the result of personal sin. There's no question. There are people who are sick because of sin that is in their life. Maybe they have dealt with it, but they have the outlasting stuff of that sin. Or there may still be sin in their life. But now I will say this to you. While all sickness is not the result of personal sin, there is sickness that is caused by sin in a person's life. We all know, uh, I'm thinking of an individual that I've ministered to in recent times that was healthy. But he went through a difficult time in his life, and so he started drinking. And he drank basically every day for a year and a half. Just didn't he go to work because he'd, lo he'd lost his business. And, 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 and so guess what? He has problems now with cirrhosis of the liver. He has problems with uh, a deterioration of his esophagus. And so, I mean, he knows, and I know, and we talked about it. Hey, look, you know, that's what sin does in your life there. That caused you to have these diseases that you have. And in his particular case, his illness was a result of his own personal sin. Now, 
We, we, he's asked God to forgive him. We pray that God would heal him. But we do know that he did not have to have that illness. You know, doctors tell us that anger and bitterness and unforgiveness affect every part of our body. It can affect the joints of our body. It can affect every part of our body. And so here's a person living with bitterness and anger and unforgiveness. And it's almost like their whole system is in a stew. Guess what? I mean, medical facts say that that, 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 that could be the root of many physical problems that they have in their life. So it's obvious that some illnesses, some sickness is caused by sin, but not all of them. Now, I'll just tell you another one. And, and you know, I, I could avoid this one, but I'm not going to avoid it because it's the truth. I mean, lung cancer, emphysema, heart problems all come from smoking cigarettes. Our cancer of the mouth comes from chewing tobacco. You say, well, are you saying smoking cigarettes is sin? Why don't you talk to God about that? The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you know every time you light up a cigarette, you're taking one more minute or five minutes off of your life. I mean, come on now. Let's face it. You know, you don't, you don't have to get lung cancer. And you don't have to get emphysema. And you don't have to get all that stuff. But you can make a choice. And, you know, you can get sick because of your own personal choice. And so I'm telling you the truth, the, 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 the error, all sickness is a result of personal sin is not true. But some sickness is the result of your own sin. But I want to tell you something. I want you to listen to me very carefully. You can be perfectly right with God. No known sin in your life. And you can be walking in obedience to God. And you can be filled with the Spirit of God. And you can be loving God. And you can still get sick. You can be as holy as you know how to be, and your mortal body can still be attacked by illness. And so the truth, well, something must be some sin in your life, or you wouldn't have that disease, is an absolute untruth. And so let's just face the fact that all sickness is not a result of personal sin. Some is, but you can be right with God, and still this mortal body can get messed up. That's just part of it, okay? Then there's a second error that I want to deal with. And that second error is this, that all, sin, all sickness is a result of a demonic attack. If you're sick, then Satan has attacked you, whether it's whatever part of your body it is that you... Oh, by the way, I want to go back before I leave that uh, first one. That all sickness is a result of personal sin. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. I want you to just remember this. You look this up. Where in John 9, there was the man born blind. And you remember they went to Jesus and said, Rabbi, who sinned? This man's parents are him that he was born blind. Now, we know he's blind, but evidently his parents sinned or he sinned or he wouldn't be blind. And Jesus answered, said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents but that the glory of God might be manifested in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. So Jesus answered that question. But, you know, they say, well, all sin is a result of a demonic attack. Well, it was in this woman's case. She had a spirit of infirmity. Whatever that is, she had it. And she had been bound for 18 years by this spirit of infirmity. And obviously, she was a religious person because she was in the synagogue 
And when Jesus saw her and loosed her, and so sometimes, you know, you, you, you as a servant of God, as a servant of God, as one seeking to do the will of God, try, walking in obedience to God, the enemy can attack your body. He can. And sometimes sickness is a result of a, a demonic attack, but not all the time by any means. None of that has to happen because we have mortal bodies that are subject to disease and death. Some of the godliest people I've ever known died to me at an early age. Other people who were wicked lived to be a hundred years old. It has nothing to do. I am telling you, it's just a matter of that physical body that we have. Now, here's a third era. One, the first one was all sickness is a result of personal sin. Not true. Some is. All sickness is a result of demonic attacks where Satan attacks you, and if you just rebuke the devil, you'll be healed. Some sickness is, but not all, so that's not true. Now, th- this is the one that gets a little touchy. And there are people that really believe this. And, you know, I, 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 I don't ever want to think that I'm, I have all the answers and all the eggs in the basket when I, when I certainly, there's so much I do not know and do not understand, but I know I just don't believe this. And I do not believe the scripture teaches this. As much as I believe in healing, as much as I believe we need to pray for healing, and we need to be aggressive and use every means of God when we have illness to be healed, I have trouble with this. It says this, it is God's will for every person to be healed every time. And the only reason they're not healed is because of a lack of faith. Now, that is a theology or a truth that, well, now, I'm telling you, it is God's will for every person to be healed every time, and the only reason they would not be healed would be because of a lack of faith in them and in the people around them. Now, I know what they base that on, oh, and, and I do believe this verse applies to healing. Over in Matthew chapter 8, it talks about that Jesus spoke to healed Peter's mother from fever. And then they brought to, 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 to Peter all those that were sick, or, or to Jesus all those that were sick and all of that. And, and in Matthew 8, it makes this statement. And, and I, I, I believe this. I know it's true. But I still believe that they're reading into it more that's in there. It says here, when evening came, this is Matthew eight sixteen, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, He cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. You see, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, he not only died for our sins, and he did, but it also says he took our infirmities and our sicknesses upon himself on the cross. And so therefore they say, well, if Jesus took our sickness and infirmities on him, in him on the cross, then it's God's will for every one of us to be healed every time. And the only reason we're not healed is a lack of faith. Well, they're reading something in there that I don't think is there. Because Paul never, he never addressed the fact. Well, now listen, the only reason you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. That's never said by Jesus. It's never said by Paul. In fact, you know what Paul said? And certainly, if he, did, if he believed that, he, he would have corrected that. He talked about the fact that he had gone to a particular city, and he said, now, Trophimus did not come with me, 
because I left him in Miletus because he was sick. He said, I didn't bring Trophimus with me this time because he was sick. He wasn't able to come. Well, certainly Paul said, well, man, I didn't bring uh, Trophimus with me this time because he didn't have any faith. It was God's will for him to be healed, but he just didn't have any faith. Tried to leave him behind because he had sin in his life and didn't believe God could heal him. I do know this. Anybody that believes it's God's will for every person to be healed every time, and the only reason they're not is the lack of faith, guess what? And I'm not being ugly, but I'm going to tell you, they get sick just like everybody else. I mean, so I'm just saying to you that, that you put something on people with that that they don't need to live with. Well, my wife wouldn't have died if I just had enough faith. My daughter wouldn't have died if I'd had enough. Come on now. I've seen people believe God to the moment their loved one went to heaven and never doubted whatsoever. I knew one guy that sat by his wife's bedside as she battled cancer, ovarian cancer or whatever it was. And I'm telling you, he wouldn't let anybody in the room that didn't believe that God healed all the time. He wouldn't even let any unbelief, he said, in the room. I don't want any unbelief in the room. And he sat right there until she died. I tell you what, I admire his faith. I thank God for his faith. I thank God that he never gave up. But the truth is, sometimes it is God's will for people to go to heaven, right? <laughs> Obviously, it must be. Have you visited the cemetery lately? <laughs> so now, I said that, but I want to say this. Okay, the three things that I address, but now here's what I want to talk about. What is our response to sickness? Now, that's what I want to do. What is our response to sickness? Let me tell you what it is. It is Jehovah Rophe, the Lord, our healer. When we get sick as believers, then what we know is that Jehovah Rophe, God, is our healer. And so what we do when illness comes to us, we go, you know the first place we go to? We need to go to Jesus. That's the first place we need to go. No, I'm going to the doctor. Well, you might be wasting your time. No, you need to go Jesus first. And so I'm not minimizing the power of Jesus Christ to heal. In fact, I'm magnifying the power of Jesus Christ to heal because what's happened in many circles is they've gone to the other extreme and said, well, we don't believe God heals today and we don't believe that he, you know, you've got to go. You know. Let me just say this to you. I am not minimizing the healing power of Jesus Christ. I'm magnifying the healing power of Jesus Christ. And the first place you need to go when you get sick is you need to cry out to Jesus to be your healer. Did you hear that? So, man, let's just ask God and believe God. You say, well, I'm just going to believe it's God's will until he tells me otherwise. And I'm going to pray for healing. And I'm going to ask for healing for myself and for others. And I'm going to believe God for it. And I'm going to stand on the word of God. But not only do you go to Jesus, but ask God to give you a word to stand on. Say, God, would you give me a word to stand on? God gave Manly Beasley a rhema that he would live to see his children's children. And for over 30 years, he stood on that word. And God continued to heal him one day at a time for 30 years of seven terminal illnesses. So you, 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 go, you go to Jesus with your sickness, and then you, you not only go to Jesus, but you ask God to give you a word, a word upon which you can stand and upon which you can pray for believers and, and for that person or for yourself. You ask God for a word. Let me tell you another thing you do. You, 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 you make use of the grace of God that he's given you. Have you noticed how much longer people are living now? 
You know, the average age in most of the countries of the world, people die around 40. Now, it's nothing for people to live to be 80. It's nothing. 85? I mean, in America, people are living a long time. I mean, that's why Social Security's in trouble. I mean, they're living a long time. And you know why? It's the grace of God. But I'm going to tell you, God in his grace has provided things for us that we need to thank God for. And if you've got diabetes, thank God for insulin. Amen? Oh, no, I don't need insulin. I'm going to walk by faith. No, you're going to die is what you're going to do. Well, I, I, what made this so clear to me when I was a young boy, I remember being quarantined in our home in Rock Hill for two weeks because of a polio epidemic. And I mean, people all over our city and all over were coming down with polio. And back then, the only thing they could do to keep them alive was to put them in an iron lung. And, and absolutely, my, my cousin got it. And we were quarantined. Let me get, but guess what? There was a guy by the name of Jonas Salk. And God gave him the wisdom and discernment to discover the vaccine and you never even hear about polio anymore because the vaccine eradicated it. That's the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. You know, some people say, well, God's my healer. I don't need to take medicine. Well, you just go on and be sick. You can. Just go ahead. But I guarantee you, if they got antibodies going to get me out of this pain, I'm going to take it. Because it's a gift from God. Do you hear me? It is a gift of the grace of God. It is not faith to not use the common things God has given us. It's foolishness not to use the common things that God has given us. That's not faith. It's, listen, God has provided it. Everything that we have, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from God on high. And you say, well, it's the doc. No, it's God. It's the medicine. No, it's God. It's all a gift from Almighty God. And Jehovah Rophe is the God that heals us. And we don't need to be satisfied to live with illness. We need to pray for the healing touch of the living God. But then there was another thing here that... This lady, not only was she bent over, and not only was she physically ill, but Jesus said she had been bound by Satan for 18 years. Now, I don't know. She had a spirit of infirmity. So her sickness was a result of a demonic attack, bound by Satan. For 18 years. So I want to address this matter of deliverance. Jesus says, woman, be loosed from your infirmity. Have, have you noticed? Now I want you to see something here. I, I just want you to see this because this is for you. Jesus just went into the synagogue that day. That woman had been going every Sabbath for years. Nothing ever happened. But Jesus showed up in the synagogue. Now, I tell you, it's exciting when Jesus shows up. Amen? Now, that's real exciting when Jesus shows up. And so he shows up and he begins to teach. And listen to what it says. He saw her. He called her. He just stopped, he said. He called her. He saw her and he called her. And he spoke to her. Woman, you're loosed from your infirmity. And he touched her. Man, I like this. He saw her. He called her. He spoke to her. And he touched her. Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid hands on her, 
And immediately she was made whole and made straight and glorified God. You know, the devil's told you that you'll never be free from that which has you bound. Oh, he's told you that. You want, you're not going to make it. You won't last. I mean, he's lied to you. And I'm going to tell you right now, all of us battle. Now, let me give you three verses that will let you know about this deal of deliverance and about bondage. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 5, and, and I'm telling you, it is a scary verse. It, in this particular case, it's talking about immorality. But it applies to any sin. Now, I want you to listen at this verse. This is what sin gets you in bondage. You get in bondage. It says here in verse 20 of Proverbs 5, For you, why my son, why should you, my son, to be enraptured by an immoral woman? He said, why in the world would you be enraptured by an immoral woman? And why should you be embraced in the arms of seductress? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. He says, who are you now to get involved in this immorality? Because every one of your ways is seen by Almighty God. I wonder if that's for you this morning. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders on his own past. Now listen to this. His own iniquities will entrap the wicked man. He said his own sin's going to entrap him. And then here it is. He is caught in the cords of his own sin. He is caught in the cords of his own sin. And, and in this particular case, the proverb writer was talking about sexual immorality. And he's saying, you know, every time you commit that sin, you wrap another cord around yourself. And, and then you wrap another cord around yourself. And you commit that sin and you wrap another cord around yourself. And you commit that sin. And one day you say, I'm getting out of that. I'm getting out of that. And you start trying to pull away from that. And the cords of your own sin keep pulling you back. You have been enraffled. You've been tied up by the cords of your own sin. That's called bondage. And you know, that could be true. Of any area. You know what it says in John 8 uh, verse 34? Whosoever commits sin is a slave of sin. I mean that's kind of strong. And Jesus said if you commit sin you become its slave. You become a slave of sin. A slave. (laughs) And then you read over in Romans chapter 6 verse 6. He said. uh, Talking about that we were united with Christ in his death. Knowing this. Now listen to this. Knowing this, that our old man, who we were in Adam, was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be rendered powerless. Listen to this. That we should no longer be the slaves of sin. Jesus said, uh, the, the, John's writer, the Romans writer said, he said, you know, our old man in Adam was crucified with him and put to death. And, and, that, and, and, and we died with him that we should no longer Evidently, we had been. We should no longer be the slaves of sin. I, I, I see the picture. You're enwrapped. It's called bondage. You let that bitterness stay in your heart. 
and you wrap another cord. And one day I'm getting away from that bitterness, and it just pulls you right back. And you let that anger build in your heart. And every time you give into that anger, you wrap another cord around your life. And then, then you give in to the unforgiveness. And, and you really, when you think about that person, you just so hope somehow in some way you can get even or, or something bad will happen to them. And every time you give in to that unforgiveness, you wrap another cord around yourself. And there's so many places where people absolutely are bound by sin. I mean, absolutely bound by it. And they find themselves trying to pull away and they have difficulty. It could be prejudice. It could be an uncontrolled tongue. I'll tell you the truth. I'm glad God only gave me one tongue. I couldn't handle two. He gave me two ears, praise God. But thank God I ain't but one tongue. But you know, you give into it and you just say those words and it's corrupt communication. It doesn't edify, it doesn't minister. It's criticism and judging and revival. And it just comes out of your mouth. And every time you speak it, you're just wrapping another cord around yourself, another cord. The wicked shall be enwrapped with the cords of his own sin. It's called bondage. That's what it's called. It's called bondage. I'm free. I just want to be free, Brother Fred. I want to be free to do whatever I want to do. I don't want, to, I don't want God to tell me what to do with my life. I don't want Jesus to tell me what to do with my life. I just want to be free. I want to be free to be myself. I want to be free to do what I want to do. I want to be free to go where I want to go. Yeah, and you're free about 30 minutes because it's not long that sin begins to get its claws in you. And you begin to sin and you begin to wrap those cords around you. And Jesus And the word of Jesus said, whoever commits sin is the slave. The slave, the slave of sin. You're not free. I tell you, you're not free. You don't want to go back to that, but you go back every time. Because I'm telling you, you're wrapped with the cords of your own sin. And I'll tell you, it's tough. You say, Brother Fred, have there been areas, ever been areas in your life where you just knew that you were not in control and you felt like that the enemy had his claws in you and, and you, you dead gum right it has been. But I'll tell you one thing, you can't stay there. You've got to come against it in the name of Jesus and you've got to let the Son of God set you free. Amen. And he will. It's just a matter of whether you'll repent of your sin against a holy God and ask God's mercy and grace. Man, you can be held by bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and prejudice and uncontrolled tongues, tongue, alcohol, drugs, sexual sin. When you're bound, you're bound. And just remember this. The woman that was bound was in the synagogue. She was in church. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you a verse. This is a great verse. I want to say to you, you do not have to be the slave of sin. You do not have to be in bondage. You don't. Hallelujah. What is that? What's the name of our church say? Jesus came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, and to do what? Deliver Who? Deliver who? He came to deliver the captives. He came to set us free. 
He came to deliver the captives. And man, over in 1 John, I want you to listen to what it says. Now, now listen. This will encourage you. You don't have to be bound. The whole purpose of this message is to know God does heal and he can heal you. And you need to cry out and ask for God's healing. But the second thing is that Jesus does deliver and he can deliver you. And this is exactly what it says. He who, this is 1 John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. That's pretty plain. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. Why did he come? Why? For this purpose the Son of God was manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Praise the name of Jesus. He came to destroy the works of the thief who steals and kills and destroys. And I am telling you, the Son of God died on the cross and shed his blessed blood for you and was raised from the dead. And he lives this morning and he is here in this place. And I'm telling you why he's here. He is here to set you free from the bondage of sin. And I'll tell you, I believe in the power of the Word of God. I believe in the power of the gospel of Christ. I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. And I believe that Jesus is doing what he ever did. And I rejoice every time I see the captive set free and the enemy defeated. And a person going from darkness to light, praise God. They're going from death to life. Well, how do you explain that? What happened to you? I know one thing. One time I was a slave. I was in bondage. But Jesus Christ came to live in me. And he forgave me. And he saved me. And he set me free. And I am free today. I am free today because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, but that won't work for me, Brother Fred. That's a lie. Oh, no, that's a lie. Jesus Christ loves you. Everything he did, he did for you. You say, well, I've cried out to Jesus. Keep crying out. Well, I called on him twice. (laughs) Why don't you just keep calling on him until the breakthrough comes? Would you listen to me? Please listen to me. Just keep crying out. I don't understand it, but I know one thing. You just keep crying out till he sets you free. You just keep crying out till the deliverance comes. Now, let, let me tell you how it comes. First of all, you've got to know you're saved. That is not it. I just want to ask you, has Jesus ever changed your life? Is, has he ever been real to you? Has he ever been real to you? Now, it's not possible for the Son of God, the King of the universe, to come in your life and you not know it and not change you and not do something in you. Well, I don't know, but I think so. No, come on now, come on. Deliverance is tied to knowing the fact that I have repented of my sin and cried out to holy God for mercy and asked Jesus to save me. Deliverance begins with being saved and you know you're saved. Now let me tell you what else you got to do. You got to deal thoroughly with sin. You can't blame it on anybody else. See, so I want to be set free from bitterness or unforgiveness or lying or jealousy or fear or whatever. I want to be set free. I don't want alcohol or drugs or pornography. I want, to be, I, want, I want the cords of that sin to be cut. I want to be free. I don't want to be a slave anymore. 
Well, I know I'm a child of God. Okay, then you've got to deal thoroughly with that sin. You've got to take full responsibility for it. You can't blame it on anybody else. You can't rationalize it. You can't justify it. I'm telling you, God will not ask you about anybody else when you stand before him. The only one he's going to ask you about is you. Well, how did your daddy treat you? He's not going to ask you about that. I hope he treated you right. But that's not what he's going to ask you. You say, but I never got a break in life. That's not what he's going to ask you. I'll tell you what he does know. You have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have heard that Jesus Christ died for your sin, shed his blood. God raised him from the dead so you could be delivered. So you know enough right now to be delivered if you will just cry out to God in repentance until God sets you free. You've got to deal thoroughly with your sin. Take full responsibility for your sin. Repent. Say, God, I don't want to live there anymore. Then I'm going to tell you what you got to do. I'm about through. What you did when you became a slave of sin, you gave place to the devil. Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't you give place to the devil. Because if you give place to the devil, he'll take it. And I believe this is biblical. I've seen people do this and I've seen God use it to help people. Once you've dealt thoroughly with that sin, it is a sin, it's wicked, it's ungodly, it's against you, holy God, and I repent and I don't want to go there. Then, once you've repented, then you, you say, I'm going to take back the ground I gave the devil. I gave the devil ground when I had that bitterness in my heart. I gave the devil ground when I had that anger in my heart. I gave the devil ground when I watched that pornography. You've got to take back the ground that you've given the devil. You've got to take it back. You've got to clear that ground. It's just like there's a whole bunch of bushes there, and they're there, and you say, I'm not going to leave that there. And so you not only receive God's forgiveness, you deal thoroughly with it, but you clear the ground. You absolutely say, I take back that ground. You got Satan through my bitterness. I take back that ground. Why? Because Jesus has forgiven me, and my sins are gone, and you have no right there, and I take back the ground I gave you. I'm clearing the ground. I'm taking it back in the name of Jesus. You take back the ground you gave him. And then you ask Jesus just to fill your life. It's, not one, it's one thing to sweep the house clean, but if you don't fill it up with Jesus, you've got big problems. Well, Brother Fred, I quit that. I quit it, and I took the ground back. But let me ask you something. Are you in the Word of God? Are you seeking God? Are you seeking God? Are you praying? Are you surrendering to Jesus every day? Are you telling Him you're helpless and you can't make it? Are you telling Him if He doesn't come through, you're sunk? Let me tell you something. You'll never get to the place that you don't have to depend on Jesus every day of your life. Under God, you've got to depend on Jesus every day of your life. Oh, I'm strong now. No, you're not. I am. You're no stronger than Jesus Christ who lives in you. Don't you ever get to the place where you think, I can do it. I can do it. You can't do it. You are absolutely, totally, utterly dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. One moment at a time. Jesus, if you don't help me, I won't make it. And you won't make it. Man, know you're saved. Deal thoroughly with the sin. Take back the ground that you've given the devil. Just tell him to give it up through the blood of Jesus. And then you just let Jesus fill your life every day. Every day full of Jesus. Every day overcoming. Every day full of Jesus. Every day overcoming. You said, Brother Fred, will the time ever come when I'm not tempted? Yes, when you get to heaven. But you say, will the temptation always be as strong? No. No. 
Because the closer you get to Jesus and the more you walk with Jesus and the more you overcome, the cords have been cut. You're not enwrapped in those cords anymore. And yes, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get stronger. And you're going to get stronger. And, and, and you're going to find it's not as hard as it was at one time. But that doesn't mean you'll never be at the place where you don't need Jesus. Why do we want to be independent? Why do we want to try to do it ourselves? I'm just telling you, he said, without me, you can do nothing. Without me, without me, you can do nothing.